Christ Community Church is called by the God of all grace for the transforming of life in Middle Tennessee, spiritually, socially, and culturally. Through the power of the gospel, from Franklin to the nations of the world, all for the glory of God. For more information, visit ChristCommunity.org. Good morning, church. As we've gathered, as we've sung together, prayed together, we now will turn to God's Word together, but I want to say to you again, good morning, church. It's great to be with you. I'm Pastor Randy Lovelace, and it's great to serve you this morning as we continue in this series on the Trinity this year. Behold our God, and this fall, we are looking at the Father. And so we turn to the passage which we're in for several weeks uh, because it is one of the earliest and most detailed ways in which God reveals himself. And he reveals himself here in this passage to the servant Moses. As Moses is about to receive the law, Moses is told to come and to be in the presence of with God himself, and God reveals himself in a new way. And so as we're in this series, we'll be looking at the Trinity. Some of you have already taken the encouragement and begun the book, which we want to encourage the entire congregation to participate in, though we're not following it slavishly with the series. The book is called Delighting in the Trinity by Michael Reeves. It's a 2012 book. If you've not read much on the Trinity, or perhaps you begin to feel sleepiness even at the, the mention of a theological word like Trinity, let me encourage you to avail yourselves of this very accessible book, and it will help you walk through, I hope, with different perspectives on who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But if you're visiting with us for the first time, it's okay because each one can stand, each sermon will stand on itself and we encourage you to continue to join us as we go deeper in who it is that we worship. And so we want to welcome you if you're joining us on the live stream. We're grateful for you being here. We're grateful for the ways that you interact with us uh, digitally, also through emails and through letters. And we want to welcome you if you're visiting with us. Please take an opportunity to uh, go to our Welcome Center this morning. Uh, and as we turn to God's Word, let us pray and ask that the Lord be present with us as we ask the Spirit to help us to see the deep things of who our God is through His Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your Word, for your Word is truth. But we oftentimes become cynical about what is truth. But we come to this word as those gathered here. We ask that you would open your word by your spirit, open our minds and our hearts to understand what your word has for us this morning. But help us to receive, to be changed by a God who is compassionate. Help us, Lord. Have mercy. Help the teacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Exodus chapter 34, verses 4 to 7. 
So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up to Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he posed, uh, he passed in front of uh, Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to a thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So have any of you perhaps ever participated in one of those classes that you can purchase called Master Class? Anyone? Okay, okay, some of you, good. Brave, yes, it's very good if you've never checked it out. It's actually worth checking out. But uh, so one of the things that uh, over the years that I've, I love is a way to show and, and to express my own creativity uh, has been through the medium of photography. But I didn't learn about photography until I was in art class as a teenager. And so my art teacher also taught us how to develop our own black and white film and slide film, and that would change my life. It would change the way I view the world, and I would then be uh, uh, unseparated from my camera for several years. And uh, one of the things that I uh, had to do, however, was because I couldn't afford very much photography equipment over the years, I left it, but came back to it uh, in 2013. And when I came back to it in 2013, by and large, it was no longer a film era where everything was digital. And so I had to relearn everything, which was helpful, but one of the things I was reminded of is the fact that some of the best photographers in the world are actually artists as well. That is, they use the medium of paint and pencils and so forth. And so I dived back into studying art again. And uh, I realized that I needed to get a lot better with color theory and uh, learning what it means to be an artist, slowly but surely, again. And so I was thinking about it this week in relationship to the text. And so I'm going to begin this sermon with a question. So I want to imagine for you, to imagine in your mind's eye, that we're all prepared to go to art class again, if you remember what that was like. But if you don't, you can imagine it. We're going into class together. And as you're going into class together, there's a table outside the classroom. And that table is full of pencils. And you're just going to begin with, you know, regular old pencils to learn how to draw. And so you go to that table, and as you come to the table, you find pencils. And on that table is a pencil like this, and then a pencil like this. You didn't bring any number two pencils with you. This is all that you have to choose from. What do you choose? So I want you to think about it as we go through this sermon. Not what you think I want you to say, (laughs) but imagine. What would we, without planning, just instinctively, what do we choose before we go into that class? So I want you to hold that question in your mind. And now let's turn to God's word. Last week, we looked at how the passage opens. And what we looked at is our God has a name. 
And the name which is revealed here, the Lord, the Lord, is Yahweh, which is how we've translated it into English, which was only a four-letter, only consonants, no vowels, and could not be uttered verbally or orally by those who are Israelites. But as we've translated it into English, from Greek and Latin, we've chosen either Jehovah or Yahweh. This had not been revealed before this revelation to Moses. So he had only revealed himself to Abraham and to his descendants as El Shaddai, almighty or all-sufficient. But here it is Yahweh. And we looked at how it explains in the name that our God is a covenant-keeping God. But it is instructive at the height of God's revealing himself as Yahweh to Moses on Mount Sinai, and only Moses was invited up onto the mountain. The Israelites were told to stay at the base and to not do anything while he was away in God's presence. Only he could see the hind parts of the robe of God. For God shielded his face from his glory. But what is interesting is he proclaims to Moses, it's important for us to hear and not simply to pass by it. This is Moses in God's presence. Now, not the burning bush, but here in God's presence, up on Mount Sinai, with God's promises. He says, the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh. What he is about to say and reveal of himself beyond his name is important for us to hear. And the order of it all is important to hold together and to hold it in tension. But the first thing he says, after he says his name, he says, compassionate. Our Father is compassionate towards us. And by us, I don't merely mean those who are here in this room. The scriptures actually say that the Lord is compassionate on all that he has made. But to hear that he is compassionate as he's revealed himself, let's understand first, what is compassion? Number two, how does the Father reveal that compassion? And then thirdly, how does that compassion of the Father change us? What is compassion? How does he reveal it? And how does it change us? First, what is compassion? It's important to note that compassion, as we speak of how God reveals himself, specifically in this text, is not a feeling. It is not describing a mental or heart state. It is present within the actions of God. It's not, it's, so in other words, it's not merely uh, a state of heart and mind or posture. Rather, it is God's action towards all that he has made. When God reveals himself by name and says that he is compassionate, he is saying that his actions, not merely his feelings towards us, is this to have another word which is used synonymously with compassion, 
and it is mercy. Mercy in Hebrew is chesed, meaning loving kindness. God's mercy, his compassion, is God's daily action towards that which he has made, not merely a state of heart and mind. And it gives us the background of understanding God's actions towards human beings and towards the world that he has created. Do we believe that God's fundamental first place action towards us is one of compassion? Because that order matters. Yahweh, Yahweh, compassionate. Is this how not only do we think of God's actions towards us, do we believe this is what the world believes? That the God of the Bible's actions towards the world actually is. So when we consider then that compassion is not merely feeling or emotion, but is the background, full stop, foundational action towards what he has created, if that is the case, then the second question is, how has God the Father revealed his compassion? Now last week, I gave a series of promises from God's word, simply reading the references. So for a moment, after we've already read this passage, listen to how the word reveals the compassion of the Father. Psalm 86, verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And then the psalmist cries out, Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant. Save the son of your maidservant. So in the context, yes, we need to pay attention, of feeling as though God is far off, the ground on which the psalmist cries out to God is his compassionate action towards him. In Daniel, as Daniel finds himself in a foreign land, in a foreign people, he remembers verse, chapter 9, verse 9, to the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. So God reveals his compassion in comparison to how we as human beings regard him, but even how we regard each other. Because he says, the Lord, our God, belongs mercy and forgiveness for we have rebelled against him. So even despite our rebellion against Yahweh, Yahweh's first action is one of compassion. Again, in Daniel, same chapter, verse 18, he cries out, O God, incline your ear and hear, open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. So Daniel is saying, look at the city. It is in utter chaos. It is a mess. Look at the mess we have made. 
But Daniel continues, For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great compassion. Daniel grounds his cry to God not on his righteousness, not on us, but on God's compassion. This is God revealing himself through Daniel. To another prophet, Nehemiah chapter 9. Even when they had made themselves a golden calf. Now this is Nehemiah reminding the people of God of what happened at the base of Mount Sinai while Moses is up on the mountain with the Lord hearing Yahweh, Yahweh, compassionate and gracious. So while that's happening, Israelites grew a little impatient. Are you with me? Uh-huh. Yes. Impatient. So what do they start to do? They start to build something that can alleviate the tension and anxiety that they're feeling. Moses ain't coming back. What's, what are we going to do? We need to fix this problem. Now, Nehemiah is reminding the people of God of what happened there when he says, even when they had made for themselves a golden calf and said, this is your God who brought you up out of Egypt and had committed great blasphemies, you in your great compassion did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart from them by day, nor the pillar of fire by night to light them by the way for which they should go. You gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. Even in the face of blasphemy, false worship and disregard for who the Lord is, Nehemiah says, you are a God of compassion. Finally, one of my favorite passages in all of the Old Testament is Lamentations 3. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies and compassions never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. My soul says, therefore, I will hope in him. His mercy. His compassion never runs out. This is how God reveals himself to you and to his people through his servants. He doesn't merely say, I feel okay about you. Let's have a coffee. No, God pours himself out in compassionate action, not feeling, 
but compassionate action to show mercy and forgiveness and provision and presence and spirit and goodness and faithfulness, even in the face of our disregard of who he is. Yahweh, Yahweh, compassionate. But then, though we hear the Old Testament refer to God as Father, this is what it says in Psalm 103. As a father shows compassion to his children, as we have sung, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. So the, the psalmist is drawing a parallel between as a father shows compassion to his children, so the father shows compassion to his children. But he does, it's not called father there until the New Testament. It is Jesus. Jesus is the one who shows us that his father is our father and this father shows his compassion through his son to the world. 2 Corinthians 1. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the compassion with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Now why am I going through and reading these passages? Friends, it is because it is not enough that we simply memorize one passage that says, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate, because compassionate is God's first revelation of his character. And we must ask of the scriptures, in the midst of our suffering, anxiety, brokenness, and trial, failure, and successes, to cry out, who is this God who prioritized compassion as a self-description of his actions? Do you know what the scriptures say about how compassionate our God is to you? One final passage, Hebrews chapter two. Therefore, he had to be made, speaking of Jesus, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation in our place, removing the wrath of God for the sins of the people. For because he himself, Jesus, has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So God, in his compassion, is not simply satisfied with saying Yahweh, Yahweh compassionate. He shows compassion to the world as a heavenly father by revealing his son who came clothed in flesh, who has been tempted in every way as we are. He, because of the cross and resurrection, is now the high priest of God's mercy and compassion. And therefore, we go before the throne of God boldly because God, Yahweh, shows his compassion to the world for God so loved the world that he sent his son. 
Do you see the connection? This is not just God waking up on a Tuesday morning, talking with Moses going, oh, I don't know, I'm compassionate. <laughs> right? It's, it's not like he's just answering a, a top 10 list of ways that he could grab out of his bag. No, God purposefully, with conviction, with providential care, reveals himself to the people of God and therefore us as Yahweh, Yahweh, compassionate. Thanks be to God. But here the story gets even better. Because as I told you, as Moses is up there with the law and God is revealing himself, what's happening at the foot of the mountain? They're like, mm-mm, Moses ain't coming back. We gotta get this together. We, he has left us high and dry. We have, got, we have got to do something. So here they are trying to cook it up on their own. But God is still compassionate, but he has boundaries. Jesus has been tempted in every way that we are tempted, yet he was without sin. So God shows us what true compassion is. Compassion is not enmeshment. Jesus did not have to sin so that he could understand our sin. Rather, God in his compassion sent his son to be like us, yet tempted in every way, yet without sin. That does not mean that God is less compassionate. Rather, it means that God understands who he is and who we are. He is without sin, yet in his righteousness, he responds not first in wrath, but in compassion. He is completely other. Yet in his glory and his wonder, he reveals himself as compassionate. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness and compassion toward us in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 2. To call on the compassion of God through the great work of Jesus is to be placed, seated in Christ next to the Father. And when we say, I shall no longer fear for I am a child of God. We scarcely know what we're singing. It is that great. Because of Jesus, and because of the compassion of the Father, we have no fear of judgment and wrath which we rightly deserve. But Christ in his compassion is our high priest. And we can experience the love of the Father. How compassionate our Father is. But how does it change us? How does it change us? First, I hope it changes your view of God as Father. It is perhaps vogue to not refer to God as Father. For when we do, many of us might be reminded of our earthly fathers who failed to show compassion or mercy 
or love or grace. And so in some sectors, it is easy to jettison or to do away with the idea of the category of God as father. But I believe in the failure of earthly fathers that some of us might have experienced. It is not an invitation to do away with God as father, but rather to celebrate it all the more. Because all of us, even our best fathers, could not love us and be compassionate the way our heavenly father is. We all fail and fall short. But if for you, the idea of father is particularly hard and difficult to imagine God as father, this is an invitation to come closer because what you will see is the father that he wants you to experience. And you can be remade as this category and this reality of God as father can be renewed. Because the beauty of this is, our father does not show pity. Too bad for you, bless your heart. He doesn't feel sorry for us. Oh, that's too bad, good luck with that. It is not in any way a way where he shows his compassion by first reminding us of his disappointment. Thanks be to God that he does not start with how disappointed he is in us. That's not compassion. This is a God who reveals himself as one who comes to us, who knows our need, who sees our sin, who sees our brokenness, yet chooses to bring healing in his wings. And we can find shelter and refuge. We're going to art class. You're the last one to go up to the door and you look to the table. You see two pencils. These are what you have. What do we instinctively choose? A thousand times out of a thousand times we choose this. But isn't it great that our God in his compassion chooses broken people all the time. And in making them whole again, he makes something stronger because that brokenness is made new. And oftentimes where there's a broken bone and it is mended properly, the place where it broke is even stronger yet. God uses the broken things of the world to shame the strong. God uses the weak things of the world to shame the wise. God as Father in his compassion uses broken things, but not merely to be receptacles of compassion. He means for you and me to be instruments of compassion that knows our brokenness, yet knows the redeeming, renewing love of the Father who has shown compassion 
that has made us new. And now we get to be instruments in the Redeemer's hands to show compassion and mercy to those who are in need. It is Jesus who said that when you give a cup of water to one in need, you do so unto me. When you give food to the hungry, it is you giving food unto me. When you visit one who is in prison, it is as though you visited me. But please notice, it's not because of the character of the one you visit or the one you feed or the one to whom you give a drink. It means that a heart that has been shown compassion cannot help but be an instrument of compassion. We have an opportunity as a church of Jesus Christ, Christ community, one among many churches here in Williamson County to ask, how can we be a broken yet mended vessel of compassion for those who have need? I will tell you the needs of this community goes veiled and it's hidden behind Cadillac Escalade emblems pushed away in neighborhoods that are easy to avoid, hidden up in the hollers where as I ride by them, I see people living in homes without electricity, without running water. Our needs of our community are not going down, they're going up. How can we as Christ Community Church who believe in a God and Father of compassion how can we be instruments of compassion? For as we show compassion, we demonstrate that we have been shown endless, all-sufficient, merciful kindness and compassion from the Father. May he do that in us and through us. How is it changing you? May it show us that our Father is compassionate. Let's pray. Yahweh, Yahweh, compassionate. In your mercy, make broken things new. In your mercy, Make us vessels of compassion. In your mercy, help us to rejoice that we are no longer slaves to fear, but children of God. Thank you, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.